Hi, I'm Will Pigeon. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast. Today, you're going to hear how Tablet Command is using MongoDB every day to save lives. Welcome to the show. Every year, there's an average of nearly half a million home-based fires. In 2018, fire departments responded to fires in the United States every 24 seconds, and the problem continues to grow. There needs to be a solution that provides fire departments and firefighters with a more efficient, with a better way to fight this problem. Tablet Command is a mobile incident command and response solution that increases situational awareness, speeds incident response, streamlines incident management, and improves firefighter accountability. Today, Tablet Command leverages MongoDB Atlas for automated scalability, automated backups, high availability, and scalability. Today on the show, Nick and Jesse sit down with Will Pigeon, CTO of Tablet Command, to talk about exactly how they're using MongoDB and MongoDB Atlas for a positive impact on this critically important space. I hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Hey, Will, how's it going? Do you want to give an introduction of yourself for the audience? So that way we get an idea of who you are and how you got into Tablet Command. Excellent. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me today. So grew up in the East Bay of San Francisco and left high school and went down to college at San Diego State. And when I was down there, I started to have a real strong interest in becoming in the fire service. I thought I just had a draw to it for some reason. And growing up my whole life, I also had a huge uh, draw to technology. So always playing with an Apple TV and computers, the Mac, everything else. When I was in school at San Diego State, got a job as a firefighter and I worked as while I was going to school at San Diego State, I worked as a firefighter, as an EMT, fire dispatcher, also was a flight rescue medic down there in San Diego County. And then in 2005, I got hired by Contra Costa County. So moved back up to the East Bay. And in 2007, Contra Costa Fire suffered the loss of two firefighters, two line of duty deaths, trying to uh, save two people in an 800 square foot house. Uh, So with every department, anytime there's a line of duty death, the department looks at, you know, that incident and how things could be made better so that you could prevent errors into the future or make things uh, more efficient. So myself, the other founder of Tablet Command came to me around 2009, 2010, and he said, hey, what do you think about taking an iPad and building a command board to manage firefighters on the scene? Today, legacy systems, what they do is they either do it in their head, they do it on a piece of paper, a tactical worksheet, or a whiteboard. And I told him, I said, hey, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's build this. I was actually thinking about another iPad application for taking down patient information. So we founded the company, launched in the App Store early 2013 as a standalone application. And when we presented it to uh, at a conference, the International Association of Fire Chiefs, there was a tech, technology conference, we presented to them and they, they, the feedback from them was, hey, you need to tie this into the 911 system so we get the information in real time. So the company pivoted a little bit. We developed an API and developed some middleware. <clears throat> and then 2014, I think we had our first enterprise customer where we would tie to the 911 system. And while I was at Contra Costa Fire, I was doing it essentially on the side of my days off because we had a you know 48 hours on, 96 hours off. So since then, since we launched and we pivoted a bit and developed essentially a service, we had our first enterprise customer in around 2014. 
And since then, we've grown to over 200 different agencies throughout North America, around 15,000 users. So our application is being used uh, for a lot of departments across the country on every single response they go on. They're using it to get early notification, a routing, and able to manage incidents. And so just recently in November, I left as an assistant fire chief with Contra Costa and left to come to work full-time for Tablet Command as the CTO. So you mentioned that you had your first enterprise customer. Are you implying that there's other customers beyond like 911? Like, is that considered to be a customer or is it county-based or is it were there customers outside of that altogether? Yeah, we use the, we use the term like uh, as an enterprise service that we were delivering to agencies. So it was our first fire department was our first what we called you know enterprise customer. So that's what that's what I was referring to. In terms of the application being used outside the fire department, we are used by EMS agencies, and then also more recently, a couple law enforcement agencies are also interested. Well, let's take a quick step back, real quick too. How did you get into technology? Like, like, how did you uh, even know how to, to go about any of this? A great question. So when I was a child, I had an interest in electronics where I would, you know, splice electric extension cords together and build switches into them and those things. And when we started to get a computer, the Commodore 64, the Apple IIe, I was always interested in expanding my knowledge surrounding that. Went to San Diego State and had an interest in computer science, started in computer science, and then fell into information systems at San Diego State. And then since then, I've always, since I've been out of school, I was an IT consultant for part-time outside of school. And then I've always just continued my interest in technology, teaching myself languages outside of what I learned at school. So that's how I've always kind of stayed up on technology. When I started in the fire service way back when, back in like 1998, I remember there was a firefighter. He said, it doesn't make any sense while you're going to have an information systems degree, bachelor in science and be in the fire service. There's no correlation. Mm. And that was such just, it's such a stark difference. Today, fire departments all across the nation and all across the world are using technology to provide early notification and routing. You know, they've always used radio systems, computers to track their incidents so it's, it's, it's been somewhat fortuitous for me to have that experience in technology. And then growing up in the fire service, I was able to meld it right in where my most recent position was with Contra Costa Fire as an assistant fire chief. And I was over the 911 center IT radio and all communications. Well, why don't you step us through, like, how does a firefighter go about using, like, what, what are the steps that they take and how does the, how does it work that way? Great question. So when you call 911, you're going to be routed to a public safety answering point, and that'll be dispatch center first, and then they'll transfer it to the fire department. So if you have a fire or medical emergency, you get transferred to the fire 911 center. The call taker is going to take down your information. They're going to take down your address and the call type. So if you're reporting, for example, house, you're reporting a structure fire at your house, the call type will be structure fire residential. And then what happens is another dispatcher picks up that information on a computer-aided dispatch system or a CAD, and they're going to look at that call and they're going to see what the closest units recommended are, what the closest stations are. So for a fire at a house, you're typically going to have four fire engines, a fire truck, and two battalion chiefs that are going to that call. Each one of those engines and trucks have three or four or five firefighters on them. What we do, what Tablet Command does is <clears throat> we are watching the CAD, a computer dispatch system, and we see the call type and address, and we send out the notification to everybody in the fire department at the same time. So everyone in the department knows there's a critical call pending or 
that units are going to be dispatched for. And we send out Apple push notifications and they get instant notification of a structure fire and they can instantly glance on their phone and start walking towards the rig because they already know, hey, we're the closest station. We're going to be going to this. Mm-hmm. The legacy system is the, that other dispatcher picks it up and then they see what the closest units are and then they recommend it recommends who to dispatch and then they set off the station alerting. That difference is about 45 seconds. Wow. Wow. Which is a, which is a huge deal from there are applications used by the firefighters utilizing their iPhones. So they get notification, they can see the call, they can see the routing, they can see their hydrants, all their customized mapping, all the details as the dispatchers are entering them into the call. It's updated with just a couple seconds of lag. And then they're routing to the call with our application so they can see other units responding. They can see the vehicle locations of other units. Once they get there, the battalion chief is the one that's going to show up and take command of the fire. So you'll have a fire engine show up. They'll go inside. If it's uh, a rescue, they'll start performing a search or fire attack, and a battalion chief will follow in behind them. The battalion chief's responsible for managing all those people that are on the incident, all those engines and trucks, and that's just a first alarm. So you can imagine as the incident grows or as the incident increases in complexity, it can get difficult to track all those different resources and everything that you have going on. So like I said, the Italian chiefs, the legacy solution was they're doing it in their head. They're using a piece of paper or a template on a whiteboard. So our application provides them a tool where they can see all the units that have been assigned. They can see who's on what engine. And all it is is just a tap and a drag to give them an assignment. So it's a, it, it, and it's shared in real time with everyone in the department. So those legacy solutions, you can imagine a piece of paper is only as good as the handwriting. And also it doesn't scale. You have to get more sheets of paper. Our application is standardized. Everyone knows how it works and it is shared in real time with everyone. That's pretty awesome. Does it track like the the success of the job? Like what I'm saying is like, as, as you're putting out the fire, is, is it tracking like where on maybe a map where the fire is the strongest versus so that way they can allocate their resources to that section of the home or forest or, or whatnot. I, I don't know much about fires, obviously. So I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> sure. So it, it depends on the type of fire. So if it's a, a structure fire, you know, the firefighter or the fire chief that's in charge of the incident is going to recognize yep. where the strongest or the most difficult part of the fire is. And then on a wildland fire, we can, uh, a customer can customize their maps however they want to. And there's infrared satellites or MODIS data where you can display it and it's updated every 15 minutes. You can display where the hot section of wildland fires are. So somebody responding to a wildland fire, for example, that's taking a strike team of five engines up to a fire in Northern California is able to open up their map in Tableau Command and see where the, the hottest parts of, parts of the fire are, where they wouldn't get that intel until they arrive at the scene and actually start talking and getting a briefing. So it allows them to kind of pre-plan in their head. One other thing I want to mention in terms of the structure fire, you know, Nick, you were asking, does it provide, you know, some way to show you how to, you know, where the strongest part of the fire is? We always hold as a value in the company when we're building the application from anything we're doing, we always, because we're all public safety, most of us are public safety professionals or have been, we know that it's important to keep focus on the fire and not on the application. 
So we don't like to hear, you know, anybody having any tunnel vision and looking at our application. We want it to be simple, easy to use, set it, drag it and forget it and focus back on what's important, which is the fire. What are the use cases for like EMS and, and uh, law enforcement? So like differentiating that from the, the, the fire department. Great question. Fire and EMS work side by side every single day. A lot of agencies are dispatching both fire engines and also paramedic units or ambulances. So they'll use our application to navigate to the EMS units will use our application to navigate to the incidents, to the addresses, to have information such as the call details, like I mentioned. They'll also be able to see, you know, other closer units or units that could be impending upon them if they're driving with lights and sirens. And then also you can have pre-plan or apartment information that's not available to the public. But for example, when you show up to an apartment building, you can see the location of that apartment unit. So you don't have Mm -hmm. to search for it. You can Mm -hmm. just go directly to the elevator and know where it is in the building. On the law enforcement side, you know, law enforcement has, when they have these complex incidents, they, you know, have things that they should follow, units that are assigned. It allows, again, just like the fire department or EMS, it allows them to track those units, drag them to assignments. And we also provide in our application a checklist, which is configurable by any agency. So if you had, for example, you know, an MCI or a multi-patient incident for EMS, or you have an active shooter event, you can pull this checklist up that you've already come, the department's already come up and standardized, and it allows you to use that as a tool to check those off. And any, any action in our application is recorded. So from a post-incident analysis, you can go back and look and see how the incident was managed. So it provides a tool on the, on the flip side from a documentation standpoint, but also post-incident analysis. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we've, we've, let's, let's start getting into the actual, like, back you know, the, the back end of the application, like let's start out with how it started. Like what technologies did you start with? So we started as, as I mentioned, as a standalone application, we, in objective C, and then we pivoted and started to, you know, introduce our API. The, The cool thing about our application when we started as a standalone application is we're focused on device first. And so our application was born as a standalone application. So we understand that you cannot rely upon cellular connectivity or data connectivity in an application. So everything happens first on the local device, and then it's backed up into our API or to the cloud to be synchronized to all the other devices. After we launched the standalone application, we worked with our contract developer at at the time, and they recommended Node.js, because it was super fast. And then also they recommended MongoDB. And the reason that they recommended MongoDB, I think, was that because it was kind of a, we were building an MVP. We were building something that we didn't really know what we were building. And so I think that the architect at the time from the contract firm wanted to have that flexibility and not have be locked into a data schema and have issues going forward. And But we've been with MongoDB essentially since, you know, on that platform since the beginning. So you said you're using MongoDB. Are you using it uh, as part of Atlas or are you self-hosting it somewhere? 
Good question. We started with utilizing MongoDB as a service with another back when we first started in 2014, I think is when we got into MongoDB. The other provider got purchased by another big big company and we were on them for a good good amount of time, good duration. During the time towards the end of our time with that other provider, we considered going to Atlas, but didn't want to make the change because there was, you know, it was a very small team. We only have so many in terms of dev capability and so it was something that we wanted to do out distant on the horizon was switch over to Atlas. In 2020, in July, we suffered an outage from our DB provider, our MongoDB provider at the time. And so at that time, we kind of waited it out to see what would happen. They went down, they took their down their entire stack somehow. So we waited about an hour or two, kind of figure out, do some damage control, see how bad this is going to be. And then they started to announce and give us the first update, which had said multiple, multiple hours, you know, into the future when they're going to expect restoration. So at that time, we just instantly decided, okay, let's move over to Atlas. And when we did that, we were already looking at Atlas, but we, you know, launched an account and we were up on the database side with MongoDB within about an hour and then brought up all of our other services surrounding that within a couple hours after that. So it it was a quick, easy transition. One thing I want to mention though, that, MongoDB has, because I've looked at this specifically, but the other provider didn't have, was the other provider brought down their entire stack. So we couldn't access anything in their administrative console or anything like that, including our backups. Even though we were doing, you know, continuous incremental backups, you know, every four or six hours, I forget what we had set with them. We couldn't access those. And just by chance, (laughs) just six hours before we went out, our lead engineer just happened to make a copy of the database. Mm-hmm. So we really lucked out in that regard. And that's one of the things I've looked at with MongoDB is when we switched over, I wanted to look in terms of how fault tolerant is Atlas. And the cool thing is, is you can, even if Atlas goes down, is my understanding, you still are able to access your individual nodes directly. So you can still connect to those directly Um And you can still run a backup or an export, regardless of what the status of Atlas is or what the status of MongoDB is as as their, you know, platform. And that's really important to us. Being a mission critical application, we want to be able to prepare for disasters and things that no one is expecting. And so it's great for us to have that ability to still connect to the instances individually, even if AWS loses, you know, an availability zone. So those things are really important to us. And there's also uh, multi-cloud right now. So you could actually have uh, instances across the cloud. So in case one goes down, you, you have backups. Is that something that you're leveraging currently? We're currently just in uh, US East 1, and we're considering doing a multi-region with AWS. I th- it is something that we could consider looking down the road. I feel like we're a little bit, it's a little bit too much to manage for us right now going into like GCP or Google Cloud as well. But that is definitely something that we're looking at as multi-read with, with MongoDB. And it's just, it's click, click next. And it's so, it's yep. so awesome in the console. All right. So after moving to Atlas, were there any additional features of Atlas that you were able to utilize that you weren't able to use before? Two of the biggest ones, which I, I think maybe I can cover a little bit later. One is the premium support with Atlas. That's been an absolute uh, savior. It just, it, it, it frees up so much in terms of worry for us. If we ever have an issue or slowdown, we can immediately just fire, file off a support ticket. The other one is the professional services. We've used that in the, also with Atlas, which is, which is awesome. And I can cover that in a little bit. We're pretty vanilla when it comes to our deployment. We are using auto scaling and IOPS, you know, the provisioning 
auto provisioning of the application, auto scaling. And then in terms of something that we just came across recently, which we're really excited about, just in terms of the time savings it is to build this is, you know, we just came across this just a couple of weeks ago and it's like, you basically just create, an, create a chart and charts on MongoDB on the Atlas. And then you just tie that into your website if you're doing that internally on a intranet. And it's just before it was like weeks of development to build that in. I mean, with a custom API and everything like that. So we're, we are excited about charts as well. Yes. So you said you had some positive experiences with the uh, MongoDB support. Do you want to shed some light onto that? Yeah, we came on with MongoDB, Atlas, and we went with the premium support. That was kind of a move for us. And what inspired that was being with our previous provider and not having that. And so we did do that. And I thought it was a little bit much at the time because we were still very small. But it's proven to be just absolute huge benefit and value to our company because we can have a slowdown in our infrastructure for whatever that may be the cause by maybe it's a code or some, you know, a sick instance in EC2 or something like that. And in terms of, you know, having a very small team, we're able to just shoot off an email to, you know, support at MongoDB. And we know that we have essentially someone that's like a, a DB admin for MongoDB looking at our database to see if there's any issues regarding the database. So it just, it allows you to basically just shed off, you know, the worry in terms of support. So it's, it's, it's been absolutely phenomenal. It's great to have that for us. And then one other thing that I want to mention is that we also engaged with professional services. And the plan was to use professional services just as a DB admin to take a look at how our queries are running, how we're you know doing, what's our performance of our database. And we just got done with our first experience with professional services, and it was absolutely phenomenal. You know, in terms of the depth of knowledge with the professional services team and being able to look at your database and how you're running your queries and look at your logs and review everything. So now going forward, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be renewing that and utilizing that every either every quarter or every six months just to take a look to see how we're performing. And just it'll it's, it's like having a DB admin on staff, but you don't really have them on staff in terms of the overhead. So it's a, it's a great value as well. Yeah, I've heard stories about uh, professional services saving companies more money than it probably costs to, to hire them on. Let's talk a little bit about, so we've talked about all the back end. Let's talk about the front end because I've got another question about MongoDB. But what what's the front end stack look like? Yeah, on the mobile side, we're now migrated in iOS to Swift. And then we also have Kotlin on the Android side. Front end web console for like administrating and logging into our services to, to administer your account. We're in React. And then everything is we're backed by essentially Node.js, AWS East distributed across and scale horizontally, vertically, and then of course with the MongoDB backend. Cool. So I'm assuming that there's some sort of sensitive customer data probably in the system. Uh, is there any sort of like client-side field level encryption going on? Like how, how are you keeping it secure? Yeah, the information that's we're considering field level or client-side encryption, but what we do is everything that we do is encrypted at rest on the device and then also in transport and then also at rest, of course, in MongoDB. But we have not enabled client-side or field-level encryption yet. That's not mm -hmm. something that we've done. But we are considering it for you know later down the road as our yeah. customers demand that. But we haven't had that demand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, if the 911 call centers, I mean, they would know the compliance information, right? So if they're all right with it. 
Yeah, exactly. And the the data that's being sent out for the most part, obviously there is some sensitive information in the comments, but there's no there's no personal identifiable information in there because it's it's fairly, you know, you're responding to this address for this call type, you know, with this, you know, fifty-five year old male, and that's that's basically mm-hmm. it. They generally do not put personal identifiable information in there. Mm-hmm. So but security has been a concern from our our customers and, you know, but we've met that with, you know, device level and also encryption and transport and then arrest on the back end as well. Nice. So, Will, this is fantastic stuff so far. And you've you've given a really great story on on why Tablet Command is important. Do you have any specific customer success stories that you've come across since the deployment of Tablet Command? Yeah, I have I have two. One is being a small company and very nimble we were asked for one of our customers down in Southern California in San Bernardino County to be able to figure out a way in preparation for COVID response. There was an emergency emergency management team that was overseeing the whole county and they were preparing and getting ramped up for, for COVID in terms of the ambulances and the hospitals. So they asked us and some other companies, hey, how, how is it going to be possible to get data out of you know, three or four different dispatch centers and show us the status kind of as a status dashboard of how many ambulances we have left in the county and, you know, who's transporting where. And so we were on this call and we went last in terms of speaking our solution, but we had, you know, huge companies saying, oh, this is going to take weeks and weeks and it's going to be, you know, you know, unheard about money to implement this. And so they got to us and, you know, we came up, we have a very nimble team and we understand the data we said, hey, we could accomplish this in about two weeks and we'd be able to, you know, integrate these three different dispatch centers and show you guys the data and show the vehicle locations of all these units and mash everything up together. And they were just blown away. And we were able to do that. We delivered actually in about a week and a half. And of course, we had the cooperation of the different communication centers and everyone was go, go, go. But we did that and it provided a huge tool for that emergency management team to be able to see kind of as a dashboard how many ambulances are left in the county you know, where are they going and, you know, plan in preparation to, for COVID, for the pandemic. So that's one story. <clears throat> Another story that gives me goosebumps every time I tell it is, you know, we know the applications helping first responders every single day on get to calls faster and route to calls, but you don't hear kind of those black and white stories of like actually making a difference. And one of those is, we heard just after 2018, there was the car fire in 2018 and Tablet Command customer was on a strike team. So they had five engines and in 2018, the car fire had a F3 category tornado that that fire caused. That's the only second one in North American history. So at the time that the weather changed, there was an engine company that was part of that strike team and they were going down a road they got turned around, <clears throat> got turned down the wrong road, and the, the conditions changed just drastically and rapidly. And it basically became a situation where they couldn't see in front of the engine, even three feet in front of the engine. So they were radioing to their battalion chief, hey, I think this is going to be it. We're considering deploying our fire shelters. We're not going to be able to go anywhere. We can't drive. We can't see anything. So the battalion chief saw their location on, our, on tablet command and was able to navigate and say, you guys got to push through just another quarter mile and you're going to be in a safety zone. And they it, it made a difference. Those guys may not have made it. And so that when you hear those stories, 
you know, just with a simple application, just providing location and mapping, it really, you know, really makes a difference. Awesome. So yeah, you, you've done an amazing job with, with this, a tablet command. Like it's, it's really probably, you're not even able to understand how many lives that you've possibly saved. Like you get these few little stories here and there, but there are probably so many more that have benefited from this application. So that's, that's awesome. What is, what's kind of on the roadmap? What's coming up in the near future with Tablet? Just recently we launched Tablet Command 3.0 and it has some new features that our customers are just starting to use. One of those is offline maps. So being able to cache your maps offline. So we enter into a wildland situation and you don't have cellular connectivity, you're able to cache those maps. Another feature that we have is ABL sharing or automatic vehicle location sharing. So right now in a customer account, they'll see the location of all their fire engines in their account. What we did was, is we're able to, of course, by enabling this as a feature for each one of our customers, they're able to share their location data with other customers, other tablet command customers. So now they're able to respond to these large wildland fires like the car fire, and they're able to see these other agencies locations. So it just provides additional situational awareness for them when they're responding to these incidents gives them that intelligence, decreases the fog of war so they can actually see where units are located. And that's revolutionary really in the industry. Um, One of the other things that we're working on is being able to have multiple users manage an incident. So right now only one user can manage the incident. So we're, we're considering adding the ability to have multiple users manage multiple parts of the incident, if you will. So that's another thing that we're looking at. Uh, And then we're also planning on going to Android for, uh, we right now just have an Android mobile phone application. So we're actually planning on taking it, the tablet to the Android tablet as well, in addition to the iPad. Those are just some of the features that we're, we're considering. Nice. Well, Will, this was fantastic. Is there anything that we might have missed that you want to relay to the audience or even any any plugs that you want to give about yourself or Tablet? So if anyone's interested in Tablet Command, uh, check out tabletcommand.com. On there, we have the case story regarding the car fire that I shared, and uh, you can take a look at some of our technology. And then also as a personal plug for a member of our team hiring an Android Kotlin engineer. So if you're interested in working for a small firm that's making a difference, delivering solutions that makes a difference to people's lives and works with public safety every day, drop us a line. Definitely be interested in hearing from you. Awesome. Well, Will, thanks for taking the time out of your day to be on the MongoDB podcast. Absolutely. Thank you to both of you, Jesse and Nick. I appreciate it much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.